Welcome to the Learning with Lowell podcast. The Learning with Lowell podcast is about innovation, science, startups, that type of thing. Today we're joined with Michael Gallagher. He is an MD and a CCFP. Quick rundown because we get into who he is in the podcast. He is a clinical lecturer at the University of Alberta. He is the primary care physician for the Canadian Armed Forces. He is, an at, he is the president and CEO and flight member of Astronauts for Hire. He is a family physician at Alberta Health Services, and he is a member of the Aerospace Medical Association among a dozens, you know, like this guy, he knows his stuff. He basically splits his time between medicine and space, and those are his fascinations. And so in this episode, we get, I mean, you, you get a great sense of who he is. So if you're listening, you're like, you're in school, you're graduated, you're in a profession, and you're thinking, hey, what else is out there? He kind of says, like, hey, here's some big things where I, people could join in and help out and be a part of a space organization. So that, that's really fascinating. And I, I enjoyed Michael, and I think you guys will too. Remember to check us out at learningwithlowell.com, the Patreon page, and Twitter at Lowell's here. Without further ado, let's get into this. So you, you're a family physician. You're the CEO and president of the SBA. Uh, ASP. ASP, there you go. SPA is an organization I was a part of at one point in time. That's my bad for not having all my notes. The ASP. So you kind of like split your time between like like space exciting things and then physician exciting things. Is there anything else in that, I mean, like two sec, two, uh, two line summary that people would be excited to know about you? Like um, anything else that you're passionate about outside of medicine and space? Yeah. Uh, well, I like to, I like to ski. So it's about four hours to get out there, but skiing is really fantastic, both cross country and downhill. Um, I tried kiteboarding uh, a few times and that was really fun. I'd like to do that more. There's a really awesome place down in, uh, in, uh, in Baja California Sur in Mexico, which is incredible for it. Um, so yeah. And if you're looking at just stuff, I do kind of many days after work, I do kind of go jogging in our great river valley and everything here and so it's uh it's uh yeah those are those are my things i tend to do on my off time i know you have um like a like a life science type degree do you mm-hmm. other other than humans because that you clearly have spent a long time studying do you have any other like fa- favorite mammals or animals or or anything like like do you have like a nerd thing that mm. yeah well i grew up on a farm so i have a few of them yeah well there's one animal that really it, it's just, it, it's re- the, probably the animal that kind of intrigues me the most is the ocelot. Um, it's this tiny little, looks almost like this little leopard thing. It's like, a, it looks like a miniature leopard almost, but it makes this unbelievably creepy sound that, that it just, it, 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 it's almost like something you would hear in a horror movie. And it just, I, the first time I saw this thing was in Belize. And I just, I thought there was this, you know, monstrous ghoul that was coming out of the darkness to, to kind of swallow all of us whole, but it ended up being this little tiny, you know, leopard looking thing. I think my girlfriend was telling me about that. She, she's a big cat person. The, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, apparently mountain lions that we have in the, uh, the Americas, they're like the biggest cat. Like I was, like, they're like as big as Bengal tigers. Like I, for, for some reason I thought like ours would be smaller because we mm-hmm. used to have a small horse like 10,000 years ago, before the Native Americans, I think, killed them all. I think they mm. killed them all. Or they just died at the same time. You know, weird mm. correlation. But mm. um, so I just kind of assumed that they were smaller. But yeah, we have like some really big animals here. Mm. I mean, not anymore. But yeah, yeah, like other than that one. I think the ocelot, you made it seem like it was kind of like a, like a, like in between like a cat and a dog. 
size? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's similar to, I think similar size to maybe a coyote, maybe slightly smaller. I've only seen one of them in my life, but yeah, again, really, really, really creepy sound. But if you ever do come up to Canada, there is on Vancouver Island, that's one of our highest concentrations of mountain lions there. Um, my mom, when my brother was doing school out there, wanted him to wear this this mask on the back of his head that had eyes because there was some thought that well mountain lions try and sneak up on you and and will you know try and come up in front of you and if they see the whites of your eyes and and my brother was like no I'm not wearing that <laughs> I'm not wearing that when I'm running I don't care I don't care about the mountain lions but yeah if you're if you're ever if you're ever up Vancouver Island is beautiful um, it also has lots of mountain lions hmm. you can always bring like a pet bear I don't I don't know if you're like where your ancestry comes from, but um, where, I don't know where Gallagher, I, I'm like weird with names. Like Thompson is my last name. So like son of Tom, So like I'm Norse. And there's cool. a, there's a story of like, I think it's like a saga is what they call them where yeah. a guy brought a polar bear and mm-hmm. gave it to the King. And so like oh. he had like a pet polar bear that he'd walk around with. And he, the guy was like rewarded pretty well with it. But I always think like at one point in time, people thought like bears were cool pets. Like people have like monkeys. I feel like you shouldn't have either of those, you know, yeah. like, especially the monkey ones. Like there's a horrible example of someone in Florida getting eaten pretty much by a monkey. Like wow. don't, yeah. Like, I mean, it's like, they're stronger than humans. Like maybe mm-hmm. like a huge diversion from what we were talking about. <laughs> but Like uh, people just need to be responsible for their animals. The, I think the, the big thing for countering mountain lions is um, you have to like go out in groups. They don't, they don't, they like, they'll attack one person. Like mm-hmm. they'll get a jump on you. But if you have like one or two people, then you're fine. So like, yeah. maybe all you need, yeah, he just needs to like start a running group, running group or the anti, anti-mountain lion group is where yeah. you can call it. But, <laughs> that would, uh, yeah, that'd be uh <laughs> that'd be interesting i um well and and if you're ever yeah if, you, if, you, if unusual pets are are of interest to you yeah where, where i am in edmonton um i live on the street called white avenue and it's it's a bit of a thoroughfare you've got some restaurants and pubs and all that sort of thing around but the weirdest thing i ever saw was a guy walking what looked like a sea turtle like it, except for like it was it was just big enough to be a sea turtle but it it was just walking uh, just down the avenue and it had a leash it was yeah <laughs> quite something uh the i mean turtles are weird creatures because they live a long time the the turtle that was with darwin recently died like like i think like five years ago so it's crazy mm-hmm. that the guy who's who's like hey there's something weird going on here i think it may be evolution <laughs> like his turtle like i don't know there's there's even they find they find whales with harpoons in them from the 1800s mm. It's it's interesting on one hand, just the idea that we can find things that are almost like like a part of history and that are still alive, so they can kind of like tell the tales a little bit. But at, mm-hmm. this, at the same time, it's kind of sad if there's like a harpoon in them. It, it's nice that we don't do that as much as we used to. I think there's only a few countries that still like harpoon whales, which are not harpoon, but they'll like hunt them for various reasons. But mm-hmm. uh, turning turning to space, mm-hmm. I mean, because I'm just going to take a wild guess and say you probably like space since you're like the CEO and president of an organization organization that involves space so Mm -hmm. um do you do you have a favorite space memory that like made you Mm. excited about it or like Mm. was was there something that like is the magnet that drew you towards it if that makes Mm. sense i mean it's just i i tend to be not as much of a eureka one particular thing drew me into it sort of a person I think, I, I mean, I, probably the earliest memories of space are just 
I think I got space color, you know, space themed comforter or something like that. That's the first memory I kind of have of it. When I was in grade one in Chicago, I went to the Museum of Science and His, uh, sorry, a Museum of Science and Industry, and then had gone to see. Uh, I think they had one of the space shuttles there and everything. And then there was this kind of cutout thing where you could put your face through that had an astronaut there. And I think that was probably one of the things that got me interested. Now, after that, I kind of thought, well, you know, this is interesting. I'm in Canada. We've got a few spots for astronauts, but geez, that's few and far between. I, you know, this will probably never be a thing. And then when I was in medical school, our dean sent us an email and said, hey, the Canadian Space Agency is looking for three Canadians to go down to Kennedy Space Center, Johnson Space Center, and the University of Texas Medical Branch. So would you like to, you know, apply? And so I did. And, and it was funny because I was on, I was on call um, overnight and I was that I was sleeping the next day and I got this call and they said, hi, can I speak to Michael Gallagher, please? And I, I was just so exhausted. I felt I needed to sleep. I was like, sorry, Michael Gallagher isn't here right now. <laughs> and I, I went back to sleep and then I got this email message um, from this lady from the Canadian Space Agency. So I tried to call but couldn't leave a message. Um, uh, we're from the Canadian Space Agency and wanted you to you know, you've been accepted to this program to go down to Kennedy Space Center. So I was like, oh no, I need to like get back to them quickly. And so anyways, got to do that. And, and probably if we're looking, I mean, going down to Kennedy was probably as close as I would have gotten to a moment where I thought, okay, th this is, this is going to be in my life a little bit more now. Uh, I'd really like this to be in my life a little more. And I'd like to figure out how that can work. And I want to take steps towards making this more a part of my life and, and, and adding, not just that, but adding to the sector in a meaningful way. And so I came across um, Astronauts for Hire, which was what Association of Space Flight Professionals used to be called. And a lot of people who'd been highly selected to uh, uh, in, in the, what they call the highly qualified lists of NASA, Canadian Space Agency, European Space Agency, formed uh, the organization. And, you know, they were originally kind of saying, well, how do we get astronaut jobs? How do we become payload specialists in Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin? Um, and it did, you know, we did all right for a bit, but then we kind of thought, okay, we need to give something more. And so as I started to become president and CEO, we all kind of came up with a thought of, okay, well, how do we create our own jobs in space? And how do we design experiments and develop technologies that require a human in that loop to go into space? And so, yeah, that's probably a long answer for how did I get involved in space and what was my first memory and what are the things up till now? Mm -hmm. The, oh, it's a good answer. The, <laughs> Uh, I mean, I prefer to listen anyway. I mean, my voice is like will end up sounding kind of goofy in the in the microphone. But when when you have the vision of the future or the vision of, for yourself, do you see do you see you, you like making decisions to get yourself to the future that is for you that happens to be the vision of the future that you want, or is it the vision of the future you want to see and you've made yourself a part of it to make it happen quicker? Does that does that make sense? Yeah, I, well, I think the latter. It's you know, and I think that was also one of the one of the um, uh, yeah. It, it's something that I think most recently Simon Sinek 
uh, is a guy who, who thought about it quite well, and he wrote a book called Leaders Eat Last. Mm-hmm. And so I think I understood that when I became the present CEO of the organization, it couldn't necessarily be about you know my personal journey to space or how am I going to get to space. It's how do I envision this future and and bring up and not just envision but you know what are the steps that we take to bring about this future where everyone will have a chance to go to space and 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 how do we yeah how do we make that happen so so yeah the okay so from i good answer the for the for the future you you're you see how essentially like more people being able to get access into space. So it's, I mean, it's good that Virgin Galactic, you know, uh, Blue Origin, all these people are kind of, you know, reducing the costs. Mm-hmm. Do you, how far away is the, the, that, that version of space, like the future? Like, is mm-hmm. it like, like within 10 years, we're going to be seeing like the type of future where you're like you and the organization is probably going to be like training about a bunch of people and like doing so much work that um, mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe, I don't know how you balance your time now from being a family doctor and running something, but I probably would make it even harder, but yeah. Like how long do you think it would take before it really like builds out in the way that you're looking for? Fair enough. Um, it's a tough answer. I think 10 years is a reasonable answer. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that would be, that would five to 10 years would be my, I'll, we'll say 10, Let's well, 10 would be my best guess right now. Um, but you'll actually see, I mean, if, if you go onto our website, um, for all the folks who are going to join us, um, we, we do, we do try and be very honest about, you know, where the, the, the uncertain nature of commercial space right now. And, and kind of when the organization was very first start, uh, was started up the first time in 2010, um, when the organization was founded in 2010, we thought those flights were going to happen in 2015 and they, they haven't happened yet. So when, when members join our organization, we say, you know, this could be five years, it could be 10 years, it could be 20 years, or geez, if there's a major issue that happens in the world, maybe we're not going to see space travel for a very long time, but it's still important to work towards that future because I think a future where more people are astronauts is better than a future where less people are astronauts and even better than a future where um, people are, the the term astronaut fades into legend and then fades into myth. You got that from Lord of the Rings. That's a good part. (laughs) I did. Yes. I I totally, I totally stole that. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, not Lord of the Rings is really great. Especially the, the, I mean, that beginning where they they did the intro, I mean, for anyone who's a Lord of the Rings fan, you you know, and if you haven't seen Lord of the Rings and it's like 2018, you, you pause this and go watch that. That's more important. Then come back and watch this because yeah. it's really good. Especially the um, minor tangent, like quick question, but have you, have you, did you see the extended version? I don't know how big of a nerd you are. Have you seen the extended version of Lord of the Rings or just like the cinematic one? I think I think I saw yeah I think I have the I think I've seen the extended version because we got this is way back in the days of 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 DVDs and that sort of a thing so I think we got the whole DVD set and I think that was the extended version but I I absolutely agree it's it's been a a really fascinating story that folks gravitate to that that just has some very fascinating little bits that are just Interestingly, for a fantasy, very applicable to 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 life. Mm-hmm.
That's true. The unfortunately, the author he, he he's not a fan of allegories, which is mm-hmm. weird because there's like there's so much there in that story, like how mm-hmm. Sam's the hero and like mm-hmm. Frodo's just kind of like a crack addict and like <laughs> Sam's, Sam's like carrying him at a lot of points. Yeah. Uh, uh, the books are really good too for anyone who's like, and it's not even that bad. Like people think. I mean, people are excited about Game of Thrones. Like, I feel like if you can read Game of Thrones, Tolkien's way better than Game of Thrones. So, like, it's, right. like, different. Like, it's a bit, like, maybe people like that gritty realism. But mm-hmm. we're, like, I feel like Tolkien was more in love with this world. I don't know if, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe there's a lot of assumptions there. But maybe maybe going back to our, <laughs> the space stuff. The, do you, are you, because I've been reading a lot about space, and I hear about ionizing radiation, you know, like the mm-hmm. solar stuff. And mm-hmm. it seems to me, like, that'll be the lim- the biggest limiting factor for like full-time exploration. Cause I, I think, I think most people are scientists and I think mm-hmm. most people are explorers. They're just like looking for the way to apply it. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I think I see a lot of short missions, like kind of like in Antarctica right now with the current technology, but I don't see anyone like really answering like it. Cause I feel like once you have like the solar radiation type stuff, taking care of the ionized radiation, then you, you can, we can go up there as much as possible. Like the ionized radiation like stops plants from growing. So like you can kind of like make like a, a boat or like a dome and then like have shielding and then you can, we can do whatever we want. We can explore and like go to the final frontier, stealing Star Trek right there and, and have fun with it. But are there other challenges besides just the vehicles getting up there or like ionized radiation that you're concerned about that you think like, either that people are working on right now and maybe we can like highlight them because you know, who doesn't like learning about space problems being solved or mm-hmm. uh, are at the very least are concerns for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, lack of gravity. Mm. Well, can you do the spin thing? I, I always hear, I know we can, but I don't see anyone doing it. I'm always wondering why we don't do that. So maybe, I don't know, maybe you have an answer for this, but like, why don't we donut it up there? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. I don't have a full answer to that because I think that's probably more of a, an engineering question. But but I agree. I I think that um, that would solve a number of problems. Now, from a medical perspective, one thing that people talk about is when you're spinning around, uh, it still creates. Um, even though you're taking care of gravity, it can still create some weird sort of sensory conflicts with how the because you have you have organs kind of within um, the the apparatus of the ears that help us sense our position a little bit. And so when you're spinning around, I believe it's the Coriolis force that acts on it in a in a strange way, and so it can really make you kind of off balance. Now, with everything else that a lack of gravity does, meaning, you know, bones start to wither, you start to get muscle loss, your heart starts to kind of uh, atrophy a little bit, get, get, get a little weaker. Um, if when you come back to earth, it's a lot harder for you to uh, get blood flowing, flowing up to the brain just because your body hasn't been having to work against gravity quite as much. Um, the, these vision changes that happen in astronauts' eyes. Uh, I mean, it, may, it still seems like artificial gravity would be that step towards making things better for humans to live and work in space. But yeah, it, it, like everything, it's not going to solve every every issue and you're i think you're right i mean space radiation is a big great limiting factor as well and, and it's one that's often cited the it, the thing you said about the ear with this the spinning mm-hmm. are, are you talking 
just to clarify so I understand you, uh, if you like have a giant uh, vehicle thing and you have it spinning and we're inside of it, it still does that? Yeah. Like, oh, does it matter? Like, I don't know. This would be like a, a question, probably not for you, but for someone else or who is listening in. But if it was just a large enough thing, do you think like maybe that would counteract it? Like, like somehow, somehow like, yeah. Cause like the earth's big and it spins and yeah, we don't care. Yeah, so like, exactly. Um, so I, 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 I think you're right. Uh, I think if we were to make it large enough, th- there's a possibility that would be mitigated. Now I'm not an expert in the field. So <laughs> yeah. it's interesting to kind of see what a person who is exclusively focused on that would say and, and what sort of, what what sort of other things they might say about that that particular process? Because I you know I, I know there there are people who know a lot more than me in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, what you also then start to run into is it costs so much to take stuff and put it in space, mm-hmm. and so you start to probably run into cost overruns. The bigger vehicle you're trying to create, uh, in addition to a few other things now. Could that be solved by potentially bringing asteroids uh, into a close enough region that you can then mine those asteroids and then construct a larger spacecraft from it? Possibly. Um, I'd be interested to talk to more of the, the NASA engineering folks about that. But, but yeah, it, you know, it, it's step by step. I think we can, I think we can get there, but, you know, yeah, it will really require a lot of effort. And I think we're going to be learning a lot of new things that we didn't know before that we're also going to have to address. So it's going to be a process. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. The, the, I, was, I was talking to this guy, Robert Quinn, who mm-hmm. is building a startup out in the Bay Area. And we talked about, like, because he was in the hospital as well. And he's been in the hospital, like, more times than I, I think. Mm. We talked about how, like, we have the... I don't know. I guess I won't talk to him, but I'm reminded of this for anyone else who wants to like have a, a giant episode about this conversation. But the how like when it's like when you're sick and like you know you're going to be sick throughout the day, and then you want to like go for a walk or hang out with your friends, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe I should relax or maybe I should do something. And it's like, and it's because you don't want to have that bad feeling. It's like you're already going to feel that way by the end of the day. So as long as as long as you're responsible about it, like don't like do bad things. Um, like why not go hang out with your friends and like be slightly uncomfortable and like stay home and do nothing and then have nothing for you. As long, like within reason, of course, I'm not saying like, if you have like an open heart surgery, like rest, like my dad did not rest and he had to go back to the hospital one time. He's, he's a very grumpy guy. But so it's like, if we don't, you like, you have two choices. Like you're going to have a life up until the point where you don't have a life. So you can choose to do something with that life and then have something be there or you can choose not to. And then just at some point in your life, you're going to wish you did. You know, I think that's a big thing where a lot of people listen in or they see people doing things and they think, well, I can't do that. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get involved. And it's like, well, there's organizations like yours. I guarantee if someone were to contact Michael, I'm not talking about you and the, like, the third person I'm talking to you, someone were to contact you or someone at your organization, you guys would be like, oh, sweet. You're passionate about science or space. Let's come talk. And like, they'll, like people are very passionate. People who are very passionate will talk to you if you're passionate. And then even if they, even if they can't like find a way in for you right now, like ask them questions on how they did it. You know, like one of the Yvette, I think is one of the, one of the people in your team. And I I recently interviewed her and she had like this great thing to say where she, when she was trying to find out where she belonged, she emailed people and she basically asked them like, what do you do? Uh, Like, what do you do every day? And then are you happy doing it? And it's like, I think sometimes 
people make decisions where like maybe they're doing what their parents did or they're doing like like three people removed or like doing something similar in that community. And it was basically the thing that they were told they'd be good at. And it's that, yeah, it's not like the thing that they're really passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like, there's this great, there's this great Benjamin Franklin quote where he says, a lot of people die when they're 25 and are buried 60 years later. Cause mm-hmm. like they basically choose the first comfortable thing and they're like, Oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And then mm-hmm. later, you know, like the song always goes like, you know, like uh, the tomorrow, tomorrow is always a day away, you know, like, but you can control today, like tomorrow, maybe it'll rain and then you can't go outside. But I guess that all this is to synthesize the point of, of what you're trying to say, which is if we're not doing something constructively, if there's not people like pushing the shoulder against, uh, against this boulder, it's not going to happen. Like there's no like natural mechanism for humans to go to space. <laughs> like there's no like going to another, another uh, country. Like you can't like get in a kayak or like, you know, walk. Or swim. I don't know if you could swim to Russia. I mean, I'm sure someone could. I can. Mm-hmm. But um, this this idea of like we have to like push and work really hard for it. And I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's doable. Like in, in in America, we put like I think it's like a sixteenth of a penny into NASA and just like look at all the crazy stuff we get from NASA that benefits mm-hmm. everyone. Like we understand the Earth better. We understand humans. Like it's just it's a crazy and then like it captures people's imagination too. There's just so much benefit to it. I love space. I don't know if you can tell. But so for people, for people listening who do have that feeling of, I like space, I want to get involved. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, you were, you were basing that situation as well. You went down to Kennedy and you're like, oh, this is awesome. I want to get involved. And you, you know, you became CEO. So, I mean, you probably mm-hmm. have some, some ideas on how other people can do that. But what are, what are some good ways that you found for passionate people mm-hmm. who want to make a difference, who want to be a part of that, that, that mission? Like what, what can they do? Like, I know that they could probably, you know, contact you guys and help out, but like, what are some other ways that you found to be effective? Like you've or what, you know, anything? Yeah. Well, I, I think, I mean, yeah, certainly I would, I, I would encourage folks to, to, to join ASP. I mean, that's, that's our goal is to try and reach out and, and help folks about that. I mean, there are certainly conferences you can get involved with as well. Uh, there are sort of like uh, International Space Development Conference. Certainly, if you're looking to get more into the technical stuff, uh, Aerospace Medical Association's annual scientific meeting is excellent. Um, Next Generation Suborbital Researchers Conference is also a great one. So that's a wonderful way to um, to, to meet folks. But, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, I've been trying to look at how do we solve that issue because yeah, it can seem very daunting uh, to be able to get involved really in, and truly involved in space. And in some cases, you, you know, you, it does require uh, a lot of those years of study, but we're trying to figure out how do we democratize things a little bit more or maybe pull in people who might not have otherwise gotten involved in space how we how do we bring them into into getting involved in space and i mean you mentioned yes yeah, space is is one of those things where i think it's been a really great meaning maker for a lot of people a great unifier of people around the world one particular thing that struck me was at the height of the Cold War, NASA and Roscosmos orchestrating a docking of a Soyuz spacecraft and an Apollo spacecraft. And thinking about that time of, wow, in these, in a time where tensions were so high between two countries, you were able to get people from those two sides to come together 
and, and work together, um, not only because it was a good idea and it was important for the world, but also because the environment and the difficulty of that environment demanded that type of, of cooperation. It's okay, guys, we're, we got plus 200 Fahrenheit on one side, minus 200 on the other side. We're in the spacecraft in a vacuum all alone. Well, let's, you know, I'm going to learn Russian. Um, would love it if you learned a bit of English and let's, let's make this work. And, and some of those sorts of grand multinational projects, I think, are, are so key today. And it is so key that we figure out how we can bring that hope to a lot of different people who might feel disconnected from that. They say, well, there's some great things, but I, I don't know how I can be involved. I'm, I'm in my place here in the world, and, and I don't know how to be part of that. And so I think if we can get more people involved in hopeful and meaningful endeavors like this, that perhaps we can make the world a better place. I agree with you, especially it's, it's, it's sad that to hear that feeling come from people when we live in an age with tech, such technology where we're mm-hmm. probably like a thousand miles apart right now. And yet mm-hmm. we're having a conversation and yeah. everyone who's listening in they could be all around the globe. Yeah. And so like we have the ability to connect with someone, you, you can learn anything on the internet. Like I learned, I learned skills to pay off my medical and college debt on the internet. I didn't know how to do those things first. I just kind of like pick some that people would pay me money to do. And I just figured it out. And so it's like when people, when people don't feel like they can get through it, I feel like a lot of times, like I hear that advisors or some like trying to find a mentor to like learn under is a really great thing. But then, but then it's like, how do you find a good mentor? And like, I, I'm going to ask you a question on that, but like, I just want to make one point real quick, which is sometimes when people hear conferences, they think, oh, more money, you know, maybe they're on a fixed budget. But a lot of conferences will let you go for free if you volunteer. Like a lot of them, like almost every single one, a conference I've ever been at, they're like, oh, if you volunteer for like five hours, you get the, like the thing for free. So just on the note of conferences, you can go for free. You can just volunteer a little bit. And it's a lot of fun because then you meet everyone who runs it. Okay, but yeah. uh, on to the question of, uh, back, back to the question I was going to ask, which is like, how do you find good mentors because you're at the stage of your life where you're you're kind of like a mentor because you're like the ceo president which you know like everyone underneath you is kind of like someone you're mentoring but hopefully you i don't know if you have people above you mentoring you like like a, mm-hmm. like Absolutely. kind of like one of those uh turtles that go all the way down like yep. uh like the disc mm-hmm. world but yeah so how do you how do you find like a good mentor then how do you have yeah. that like conversation where like i think most people don't like know how to ask for help like hey i want to learn and i would love to help you do stuff but like how have you found like a good answer for that Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, it's a really good question. Um, yeah, and it's a very personal question, and I think it depends a bit upon where you're at and where you want to go and what skills you feel you need to kind of fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, in medicine, it was fairly regimented. We have preceptors, and we spend time with them when they're working in their clinic or when they're doing surgery or when they're in a hospital, and we're learning technical knowledge. We're learning also a little bit about uh, other workings of medicine. I mean, there, there are administrative aspects of working in medicine uh, and some of those sorts of things. Um, and so I think you're right. It's, it's, it's very challenging. And absolutely, I, I certainly have mentors. So I guess in my, if you're looking at, for me personally, how do I find mentors? Um, well, that's, that's also an organization what our board of directors are, are for a little bit is, is yeah, one, of our, one of our folks, uh, Robert Hubbard, he's a business development manager at NASA, um, 
uh, and uh, and we have uh, Su Yan Yi, who's uh, who is a South Korean astronaut, and so they're very good to give information about. Uh, Su Yan will give information about what's uh, what's what are some of the practical aspects of being an astronaut that are important for us to consider in the work that we're doing. Robert might help us a little more with well, how do we how do we craft a solid mission statement that is clear and concise enough that it tells people what we're trying to do, but isn't so kind of fluffy and out there that nobody can really make sense of us or it doesn't give a degree of seriousness and focus to the organization. So, so yeah, because you, you can't know everything. So it, it's kind of figuring out how you understand how you figure out okay what what maybe do i not know quite so well and what has somebody else mastered that they can really help me with mm-hmm. and what what do i have as core skills that i should trust in myself and and have confidence in myself to to execute on those well and i guess what are the what are the things that might tell me that my assumptions are wrong about certain things and how do I challenge those mm-hmm. and, and find people who can then, you know, set me on the right path. So that, that's probably how I approach mentorship. So it, it seems like the, a good, I don't know, summary to like to synthesize this for people listening would be mm-hmm. like first to like take stock of what you have. It's like mm-hmm. no one starts at zero. Like a, you probably have some, I don't know if, if people like watch Survivor at all, but like the guy who just won used skills in his normal life to like win the, win the, the thing. But mm-hmm. like take stock of what you have and then like write down the things you want and then write mm-hmm. down like people or like types of people that you think would have that. So like if you want to be a much more empathetic person so you can understand other people because you feel disconnected, who, mm-hmm. do you, who in your community would be really good at that? Maybe a priest, maybe a, a nurse who sees people every day or, or someone who works at a hospice. You know, like they're, like it doesn't have to be like, if it's a business related thing, like, I don't know, go, go find a CEO, like they'll know business, but like mm-hmm. just write down those, those, uh, those types of people, then email around, be like, Hey, I'm trying to learn, find people who are really good at this. And there's like, no one's great at everything. So you'll find someone who's like specialized, really good at one thing. And then like pretty good at a couple of things. Like no one's like an overall genius. So it's just like, take stock of what you have, mm-hmm. identify the things you want, and then write down like, who you think would have those things, then send emails to those people, either find organizations that have them, like Google's a crazy thing, or LinkedIn. Like you can you can literally type in characteristics and like LinkedIn will help you find people like that. And mm-hmm. and then like just send an email and have a conversation. And the and like don't be afraid if they say no or like, hey, I don't have time right now. Just be like, mm-hmm. hey, well when would be a good time? Like I'm fine if it takes like a month from now, if you have like two minutes to answer questions for me. Like more often than not, you're gonna get like, hey, I, I love to help you out because everyone's been in that spot of not knowing something. So mm. I think that was, hopefully that's a good like synthesis of what you're, you're saying. Yeah. yeah, I think that's, I think that's a, a, a reasonable approach. Yeah. So the one question I definitely wanted to ask for you is you, you spend a lot of time trying to build out an industry. So you spend a lot of time basically to some extent helping other people. Like granted, I think one day it'll help you as well. But what are some areas that you need help with? Like what are some, some spots where that you're struggling with either on a personal level or like where you are in the organization. And maybe people listening in and can be like, Hey, I can help with that. Or at the very least understand like not everything's perfect. Yeah. Well, and it's a, it's a, that's something where, yeah, with my focus as in trying to learn medicine for all these years, something that I've found 
in an organization where we need a robust, solid online platform and we need to generate a good membership experience is that, is that I'm, try as I might, I think there are others who have a bit more knowledge about how to make that user experience even better for members, how to, how to really make things more seamless, how to connect with people better and, uh, and, and really make space and the work we're doing and the things that we're trying to help them out with so they can be part of space too, how to make that, that process better. And, and, and so, yeah, I think if I was looking for things that people could help me with, it would be, it would be that. Um, it would be figuring out how do we engage people better? Who is interested in space? What are these people like? And not just on a very general level, but a granular specific level um, to see how we, yeah, how, how we do that better. Um, so, so yeah, it's many people often think, Oh, to, to be in space, I need five PhDs or something like that. And, and there are a lot of people with many PhDs in space and MDs and, 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 and a lot of that. But what I think we're missing are other people who've mastered other things, finance, business, marketing. Sometimes we think we know stuff about that, but we know it at a very general level. And so I think the message would be to people who kind of have that thought of, well, I'd like to be in space, but I'm a finance major, not a science major, or I'm a marketing major, not a science major, or I, I did humanities, but not sciences. No, you have skills that are desperately needed in the space sector and the commercial space sector is a key way for you to get involved because it's finally opening the doors to all of these sorts of people. And that's what business can do very well to accelerate efforts in an area where government and science and, and academia have gone to kind of put seeds in the ground. You know, you can, you can help water those seeds and make, make things, make things grow. Mm-hmm. I think that I, I'm, I'm surprised by how often people, I don't know if it's called it, inelasticity where they they'll have a like they'll be good i don't know, like bakers or, or something they won't think like they can f- take the ability to look at a recipe break it down and know it's important and apply mm-hmm. it to anything else like i've noticed like a lot of people are very rigid in what they know or like mm-hmm. what they think they know like they'll know how to um i don't know, like customer support but they won't think that oh i will now know how to empathize with someone mm-hmm. like maybe talk to the people some of your some of your members be like, hey, what are the type of experiences you're looking for? Like, how can we make your experience with with us really great? Like, customer service is empathy, so you can apply that anywhere. And like, the problem you're having seems like if if someone who is really empathetic and had some customer service, like maybe they can con- you know help you out, contact some members, and like have that understanding where where it's kind of I don't know, it's kind of weird. Like, we live in an age where like we have all this potential, and yet mm-hmm. I, I I hear when I talk to people like how limiting like they limit themselves. Like, oh. I can I can jump high, but only if it's on sand. It's like no, you can jump on high wherever you are, but sand will definitely like mitigate that. You won't jump as high. But that's a horrible analogy. I'm not always good with analogies. I don't know if you can tell, but well, that, that was a good one actually, and and I can I can actually respond to that a little bit because I think I think you know you're 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 right in that sense, and it, on a personal level, 
having become a family physician who's been trained in rural family medicine, um, you're sort of right. There will be things where I will say, even in medicine, I have confidence here and I can help you out here. And then there'll be other times where I'll say, I'd like to have you see a neurologist about this because I know I, I definitely have transferable skills. I know about this. There is something about that neurologist um, who has spent five years doing just that and, and, and having achieved mastery over these certain skills that in these particular areas, they'll probably more reliably be able to help you with these particular problems than you know, what I'll be able to do. I can do some of the, the basic stuff. And if you're really in a bind, I can, I can help you until you get to see that other person. Um, but if you reliably want somebody to help you solve this particular problem with this weird weakness that kind of keeps happening in your arm that we just don't know what's going on. Um, let's, let's have you, have you see that person. It's that kind of, it's that balance between focusing and, and focusing enough that you really can master that thing and, and being able to, yeah, as, as you said, kind of say, okay, well, I've mastered jumping on sand. I don't think it's too much of a stretch if I, you know, jump on, jump on dirt. But if I want to go in and say, jump on water on a surfboard with, with waves going, let's see how the way, how, let's see how the surfer does that. Mm -hmm. And if I'm really interested in that, maybe I can learn a little bit more. Now, maybe this guy's going to be a competitive surfer and, and is going to win gold medals, but geez, I, 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 I want to just, you know, be able to get a board out and get on some small waves and that's fine for me. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that, yeah, that, that, that comes back to, yeah, something, you know, where are you, yeah, where, where do you personally want to go? And, mm -hmm. and what are those skills where you want that mastery so that, you know, I, I would think probably if you were talking with me as a patient, you would want me to be telling you some stuff that I'd spent a few years with and could really tell you stuff well. Um, if I could do other stuff, you'd, you'd probably want me to do that, but you'd probably have that point beyond which you'd say, well, I really want to go to that neurologist person. <laughs> I think they, they know a little bit more. And so I, and so my role then is to kind of say, okay, well, yeah, w where is my scope and, and how do I keep expanding and how do I know how to talk to that neurologist? And wow, if I'm in a community where the neurologist only comes in once every two months, how do I do a few more things in that field when there are a lot of patients who have neurological problems so that I can help them until that specialist gets there? And, uh, and how do I keep good on those, uh, on those skills and have a, a thing, have a, have a pool of knowledge I can, I can master effectively to accomplish what I want to accomplish? Because it, it it's tough to know everything. <laughs> the, the, there's a great Neil deGrasse Tyson quote where he says, the more you know, the more you can trace the outline, the mm -hmm. surface area, the outline of your ignorance expands. So like basically the more, the more you know, the more ignorant you are, which yeah. is, uh, I guess this will lead to my last question before we do the rapid fire ones, which is the, for someone who, who's you've done more than me, the, sometimes when you start something and you don't know anything about it, like when, it, when I first started calculus, I was like, oh God, what do all these things mean? I don't know what they are. But by the end of it, it's like, oh, this is great. I can understand it now. But mm -hmm. do you ever reach a point where you, 
when you are experiencing something that you're completely ignorant of that you don't have that fear or like you don't have that concern like oh i don't know anything in this or at a certain point you just say, you start feeling like well i don't know this i'm confident in my abilities to get through it and so it's easier for you to get over that first step of apprehension about whether or not you'll be successful or not like mm. i don't know if this is even an emotion you can empathize with or not but like that's something that i've noticed that i'll go through when i'm trying something new is like i'll have this apprehension like will i do well will i do not do well like well how do i set myself up to be successful of getting over this mountain and i'm curious mm-hmm. like does it essentially does it go away do you like does it does that feeling change and i don't know if you've never felt that way that's fine too but i'm just curious if you if you've uh if you've thoughts on that oh yeah well i um i recently rented a guitar and <laughs> <laughs> i have never played the guitar except for i think i got a small guitar as a present when i was four or five as a kid and totally could not play the guitar at all. I, I don't think I'm all that musically inclined. Um, and so, but, but I think with getting a guitar and, and saying, okay, wow, this, you know, looking at guitar tabs and looking at other people playing guitar and how they're using the, the strings and me trying to strum G7 versus C and barely being able to do it, um, I think I'm less apprehensive about that. And part part of why was I kind of set out my goal of, okay, in in learning this, this you know, learning how to try and learn how to play a guitar, what, why am I doing this? Am I wanting to be the next big rock star? Well, probably not. Um, I, I like space a lot. Um, why am I doing this? Well, I've, I've been staring at screens for a lot of the past, you know, a few years of my life, be it doing work online, be it watching news, be it uh, Facebook, Instagram, that sort of thing. I was like, okay, I'd, I'd like to take a step back from that and do less things that involve screens. I like technology. It's a wonderful tool, but there are other things in life where, like, as you said, I, I probably had that, well, maybe I'll learn this after med school, or maybe I'll get back to this in my life when I'm, when I have more time or something like that. And now I'm kind of like, well, I'm done med school, I'm done residency. Yeah, things can be busy, but I still have time. And I don't think I'm ever going to have time if I keep saying, you know, when's there going to be time? And so I thought, well, I'm doing, you know, I'd like to do this because I just want to learn a new thing. Um, I don't care exactly how good I get at it. It's just something interesting to do. And um, so I'm just going to do it. And I don't care if I take three years to learn how to do this or one year, or if I don't end up doing it, but I say, well, hey, this took me, you know, this gave me a bit more of a variety of activities apart from just looking at a screen all day or, 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 or looking at a screen a lot for fun things that I might do in my spare time or, or whatnot. So, so that's an example of something that I'm not approaching with as much apprehension about, will I be good enough? Will I be, um, uh, you know, will I like this? Will this, will I be able to play guitar in front of my family and friends? It's more of a, well, let's just see how this goes. Mm -hmm. You might, I'm, I'm learning the violin. You might like the violin. I, I try, yeah. I'm, I try learning the guitar. The violin mm-hmm. makes more sense to me. I don't know what, like, I think maybe it's simpler or something, but like, there's only like four, four little things. I don't know. It's like, even like how you, 
I'll send you a video. It's like really easy to learn the violin. Where oh, wow. um, the guitar, I can never make. I could do like "Smoke on the Water," like the first like six notes. But like the violin, I can play like the, an entire song. But um, and they're like really small, so you can carry them wherever you want. But um, wh- th- that was actually not my last question. I, I had another one written down. The, I always like to end on. We'll end on this before the rapid fire ones. And this is not a rapid fire one. But do you have a question about nature, about any anything in the world that you? don't have an answer to that you'd love in it. Like almost like if you had this answer, you'd be like so happy, like, like, like a little bunch of happy bees, like finding honey type happy. Like the example I give, cause like, this is a very nebulous question. The example I give is if the big bang is a requirement, is a causational requirement for the universe to exist. Mm-hmm. What happens if you take the big bang away? Like what, like you take the, like the big bang happens, the universe ex- exists. So if I take the big bang away, what would be here in its stead? Like, mm. Uh, nothing but it, i feel like like even nothing something and it, uh, apparently it's really hard to understand this because we're using inter-universe concepts to explain something that doesn't exist inside the universe which is really hard to do but i don't have the answer to this i wish someone would tell it to me uh mm-hmm. someone who who listens should answer this for me or, or i can go talk to einstein the next time I, or someone like him but that's that's a question i do not have and i would love to have the answer to but it doesn't have to be that big but it could be like why do why do goldfish have weird eyes or something or anything fair enough why are why are young millennials dyeing their hair gray? You like women? <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, and this is one thing where I I think if I was to like delve back into like to third year university English and art history and some of those principles, I have an answer that I think is right, but I'd actually like to really understand if what I'm thinking is right or not, <laughs> but it's just, it's this phenomenon that I saw that I thought was just hilarious and unique and interesting and actually does look really good. Um, when some people do it, you're just like, wow, that's, that's great. <laughs> um, do you want to hear what I think the answer might be or no? Uh, no, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear the answer. I, I, I've seen gray hair. My guess would be like wisdom because like gray is more associated with uh, being mature and maybe that's the yeah. point of their life where they want to be taken more seriously. Yeah. So what I think probably has happened is you started to see a lot of baby boomers trying to act young. Mm-hmm. buying Lululemon stuff. They're dyeing their hair so they don't have any gray. They're kind of trying to learn all of, well, what are the, what are the kids these days saying? I want to use that lingo. I want to be young. I want to be, mm-hmm. um, I want to be, uh, I want to be with the times. I don't want to feel like I'm getting old. I, I can, you know, I can, I can rock and roll till I'm, till I'm in my eighties. And, and now, you know, rock and rock and roll starting to become, you know, an older genre of music. And so I think, I wonder if that's maybe made younger millennials a little bit less comfortable. And with, with the kind of youth worship, celebrity worship, they've started to, yeah, as you said, try and, try and say, okay, where is wisdom? Where, is, where, is the, where are the, the Mr. Miyagi's of the world? Where, is the, where, where, are, where are the mentors? And, and to kind of say, okay, well, you know, it's a nice mom and dad that you kind of want to relate to me, but I want to be my own person too. And what's the one thing that helps, helps younger millennials kind of stand out a little bit 
um, as their own person, yet also answers that maybe yearning of, a, of an old school wisdom. Well, gray hair and shawls. <laughs> and, and you see it, you see it when, when you tell baby boomers that this is happening and they say, what do you mean they're dyeing their hair gray? My hair is gray. I, I'm trying to not have gray hair. And they get, and, and so you get back to that original, more traditional kind of, you know, why, why are you young people doing this? Which, which seems to be inherent in, uh, throughout time and a dynamic between an, an older generation, and a younger generation. So that, that's, that's my thought. I would like to understand if I'm, absolutely and completely wrong about that or if i might be right mm -hmm. all right everyone let me know or you can try to <laughs> get a hold of michael I, if, if you let me know i will let michael know like i'll be the yeah. harbinger i'll be the harbinger the yeah. um oh that's interesting i haven't considered <laughs> that i just know what's been going on like i also don't think age is a bad thing i think sometimes no, people think like like oh i don't want people know how old i am it's like you're like, you know, you're 27, you're 47, you're 108. Like, take it as a compliment. Like, it is, <laughs> you know, it's like, like, by the time you're like 60, your life expectancies can be like 90. And by the time I'm 60, it's like, it goes up by, I think it goes up by like a year, every yeah. couple of years or something like that. Like, it's, it's progression upwards. So, I mean, yeah. quality of life and I don't know why people are weird about age, but I, I would just let my hair be gray and then I'd go around pretending to be Odin. But <laughs> so yeah, I, I posted my first. I, I was just like, I, I saw a little gray hair in Facebook, and I'm like, I'm gonna post this. This will be hilarious. Why? Why the heck not? So I just posted like first wisdom hair or whatever on my on my Facebook, and so and so. Yeah, I mean, I don't post a lot. I just thought oh, this will be kind of funny, whatever. And you know, this I, is a, you know, yeah, it's just it's just a phase. There's there's something that's. I actually, I actually like being in my 30s better than my 20s. I mean, your 20s, you're still kind of, there's a bit of angst. You're wondering, okay, you know, I'm in university. Gosh, this is really hard. You know, am I ever going to, what's going to happen with my life? You know, am I, am I ever going to be able to, to, to earn a living for myself at some point? And, and now in your 30s, it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, have the job, you know, being able to support myself, geez, I can do some really interesting things and, uh, and not, don't have, have to worry about a, an exam every, you know, all the time. Although, I mean, we, we still have to do courses in medicine and everything, and some of those involve exams to kind of keep up our qualifications. But there's a sense of autonomy and, and a little bit more of a, you know, yeah, there, there's certain aspects of, of the anxieties of youth that kind of start to kind of taper down a little bit, which is, which in some ways, I mean, there's a bit of a loss to that, but it's, it's also kind of nice. I, I have noticed that like you don't experience emotions as deeply or like they're not as extreme. Like when I was a teenager, I'd be like, Oh wow. When I get angry, I get really angry. But now when I'm angry, it's like, Oh, that sucks. And I just yeah. like go on with my day. It's like, it's like, Oh, it's like I stubbed my toe. I, yeah. Like it takes like a, like a lot. It's like a like a boulder, which is mm -hmm. it makes sense because like we're getting a little bit more stratified, and then you have more things to draw on to like be like, oh, okay, you've been with this, you've been through this like a bunch of times, so like you know how to like relax about it. But mm -hmm. yeah, the okay, so, so rapid fire questions. The if you don't have a good answer, it's fine. You just put like NA or pass. The sure. what was the last good science book you read that you enjoyed? Oh, um. I often read politics because I do a lot of science, but I really like the elegant universe. 
Oh, that's on my that's my reading list. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one about string theory. Now, interestingly enough, I had um, during med school there was this Nobel Prize winning physicist who was also staying in the hotel, and we kind of hilariously said, "Hey, come into our like you know one of our hotel rooms and give us a lecture on string theory." And he came in and totally debunked string theory. <laughs> so, and all of the elegant universes about string theory. But I still like the book. It's, it's a really cool book. I think half of I think half of math and science and physics it seems mm-hmm. is just like just like getting you to think differently and analytically like using the scientific method as an operating system for understanding the world. It, mm-hmm. I don't know, even other people you can be like, oh, I'll make a hypothesis. I, I observe someone doing something. I make a hypothesis. I d- develop a study, <laughs> and then you can like learn people learn about people really interestingly. But okay, but you said you like politics books. Are there mm-hmm. are there good ones that are like? Is it like a diplomacy where it like re- represents a a period of time, or is it like modern? politics like what type of politics i you know i right now i'm re- reading a a book um called the west and the rest it's uh it's by neil ferguson um and so and so that's been kind of an interesting thing to kind of see you know what were the strengths of eastern civilization and what were the strengths of western civilization why did western civilization experience a meteoric rise and why now is is the east catching up and might it be you know what will the future look like so that's a really interesting one to go back to science books a singularity is near was also a very good book Uh, i you know i because ray kurzweil is very bright i mean there are one or two things where i i maybe disagree with him with some degree of hazard on because i think i think the guys you know did a very you know did a book that was very well done but um i thought that was an excellent book um for politics i've been reading a lot in the magazine called foreign affairs um which is really which is really interesting and it kind of shows a bit of geopolitical strategy and that sort of thing um i've listened to uh dan carlin's common sense podcast and also another one of his called hardcore history um Those are good yeah well it's neat i mean he's I love how enthusiastic he is, and I and I, I think he, he approaches it with a degree of a degree of accuracy. And in some ways, he kind of spoke a bit to, to my, and I, I don't know what the guy what, what he looks like in real life, but I, I imagined a guy with three PhDs in his parents' basement playing with toy soldiers. <laughs> when I hear him, um, but 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 just so unbelievably bright and interested and and creative and 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 just just with an absolute passion for 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 what he was talking about and that really drew me to his podcasts. So yeah. oh yeah, those are those are kind of the more political ones. I've kind of been political media that I've been tapping into a little bit. Do you like? Have you seen his Punic Wars series? Which one? The Punic Wars. I haven't seen that one actually. Oh, no, it's it's really good. It's, yeah. I'm a big fan of Roman history. Like I've, I've read, I've read most things in ancient history. Like uh, mm-hmm. I need to still read uh, the Peloponnesian War. But I'm, oh. I'm trying to, well, I've always wondered. You know, like uh, Augustus, the first emperor, like the cousin, not the cousin, mm-hmm. the nephew of Julius Caesar, the the, mm-hmm. you know, the second dictator or whatever. The mm-hmm. like he was taught a bunch of stuff. And he became like the greatest emperor. Like he did a bunch of civil reforms. I'm always curious, like how did he learn mm-hmm. to be effective? You know, like you can't run a, you, you can't build and create an empire and run it so effectively from zero. So like, I'm sure he had like aptitude up the, the wazoo, but I'm curious mm-hmm. if like Aris, not um, like with Alexander the Great, if he had like an Aristotle type figure and like what he learned. Cause then I, 
Mm-hmm. I think I think the, the best answer I can find is like basically he learned how to think and then he just figured it out from there, which is why I like the science, science, math and physics now, because it kind of like gives you different ways of thinking and I like interacting with the universe. But that's mm-hmm. why I like those things. But I think you'd like the Punic Wars or is uh, the great Khan. Like that series is fantastic. Genghis Khan is amazing. The yeah. people always cite the when he when he like went in and like killed an entire civilization or something like that. And it's like they kind of asked for it. Like he was. He was like, he sent a delegation, they, they steal his stuff, they chop their heads off, they send it back. He's like, hey guys, I think you had a misunderstanding. Here's more money and let's work something out. And they're like, no, we're going to cut their heads off again. It's like, at a certain point, you're just kind of asking to be invaded. Like, you shouldn't do this to people. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you're a, a fan of that series. But okay, so we got science books. We got some, some other podcasts to check out. The, what are some fiction books? Do you, do you read fiction at all? Um, latest fiction book. Um, let me see. That's been a while back. Um, (laughs) do you have a type of fiction you like? I I read too much. Maybe I'll recommend something to you. Oh, it's all good. Well, I mean, certainly I've, I've read Lord of the Rings, uh, before in med school, I needed something light and funny and bringing me back to the nostalgia of childhood. So I read Calvin and Hobbes again. So that was a lot of fun. That was more comic book type stuff. Um, uh, there was, I have kind of gone back occasionally to a few of the third year English books that I, that I read before. Um, so what I'd like to maybe look at again is, is, uh, Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Mm. So that'd be an interesting one to read again. Um, 1984 could be a really good one as well. Um, yeah, Life of Pi was a was a pretty darn good one too. The movie was weird though. I don't know if the <laughs> book is the same way, mm-hmm. but the, the point, I won't spoil it, but there's a the point where like the movie diverges and he's like, hey, here's a different version of what happened. And it's like, that's probably just what happened. Well, mm-hmm. I, like the, I like the other version. That's kind of fun. The, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe that's the point of it. But yeah. a recommendation for you that's kind of in between Calvin and Hobbes and uh, Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. uh, would be, there's a, a, a graphic novel or comic book, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. uh, called Sandman. It's by Neil oh. Gaiman. It's really good. Like the, if you read this, you'll pretty much like, you'll know too much about mythology. It's, it's really fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it, cool. it's, it's very intricate. It's very beautiful too. It's very well uh, drawn. Or I'm reading a book called, uh, a comic series. I don't know why I'm picking comics. I read big books too. I have War and Peace under this monitor right now. But mm. the the it's called Providence. It's about like Cthulhu mythos and like it's it's really fantastic. It's by Alan Moore. But mm. um, so if you want like something that's a little maybe a little bit not like dense reading because I'm sure you read a, like maybe articles and journal articles a lot. You can get some like pictures that are they're also really interesting. Salmon, the oh, I was very fantastic. I, I'd recommend it. But um, you have. Hey, on to the next question. The, do you have a favorite piece of advice you give people? I know we've gone to a, a number of pieces of advice. So if, you, if we've already covered it, we can, we can skip to the next one. But do you have like a favorite, like someone's having a bad day, this is your go-to like thing you, you suggest to them or something like that? Somebody's had a bad day. Um, let's see. Um, well, I think what what, what was um, um, hmm. somebody's had a bad day. 
or just in general. I don't know. It's, it's, it is a nebulous thing because it is very subjective. You know, if someone's having a bad day because they lost a loved one or they you know, lost a job or something, like it's very different than like, they're just feeling down. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And you know, I mean, what's, what's interesting, and, and this, is, this is something we're often taught in medicine. I mean, you know, we, we certainly do still give advice and everything, but we're taught very much to try as best as we can to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, because what's interesting is you often, if somebody's having a bad day, it, often when they kind of articulate things, there are times where they can, they come up with a bit of a solution for themselves. And sometimes you can kind of guide them a little bit. And so I tend to be, I tend to probably empathize more and try to listen more um, as opposed to giving advice because you know, it, it's it, first off, I think before giving advice, it's very good to understand where somebody's coming from and what their particular issue is. And, and in fact, when I, when I see patients, you know, there are a lot, there are a lot of things that they deal with that I've never dealt with in my life. I mean, if somebody has cancer, uh, sometimes who am I to be, to be, to be telling them exactly you know, what's going to be that perfect bit of advice to, to help them deal with their cancer. It's, it's their, it's their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to help them through that. Now there are very specific things I can kind of act as a, as a good guide for medications, resources that they can uh, tap into. But usually if somebody's saying, wow, I'm having a really bad day. I, I often say, gosh, that, God, that, that, that sounds that, that sounds terrible. I'm, I'm sorry you're dealing with that. Um, really, really recognizing that, that, this is, that this is a big deal for somebody sometimes is that first step towards building upon solutions to, to that. And, and, and there is a technique in medicine uh, and, and in psychology specifically called cognitive behavioral therapy where you sometimes maybe start to um, – you, you start to help folks be able to rationalize what's maybe going on, not necessarily by saying, cheer up, everything's definitely going to be better in the end, but to kind of say, okay, well, geez, you know, you're, you're, you're saying you did this and now you're saying you're the worst person in the world. That, that sounds, that sounds terrible, you know, uh, terrible that, uh, that, that this happened. And I mean, maybe, maybe that was a mistake, but you know, do, do you really think you're the weirdest, you know, the, you're the worst person in the world? Are you, are you Genghis Khan? Did you, did you, are you, are you Hitler? Did you, have you actually done those things? Oh, well, I mean, maybe you're not the worst person in the world. Um, you, you maybe made a mistake there. Um, but, but, uh, with that thing you did, but, but I don't think you're the worst person in the world. Do you, do you think, you know, that looking at, you know, things in that perspective, do you still feel like you're the worst person in the world? And some of those sorts of techniques can be really helpful if folks are suffering from depression, anxiety, or other things. And, and sometimes that, that aspect of, of listening and actually actively rationalizing some of the things folks are going through and getting them to do that process sometimes can be more helpful than, than me maybe giving a piece of advice mm-hmm. that may or may not apply to that person where they're at. Um, yeah. So that, that, that's kind of how I approach advice. <laughs> no, that, that makes sense. The, the, the feeling of connection, like the, 
the like letting people know they're not alone. And there's the great Guan, uh, not Gandhi, Gandhi quote where he says that you should lose if you ever want to find yourself, you should lose yourself finding uh, helping others because like like helping others is always really great. So whenever I know whenever I feel down, I'll like go help someone else do something, and it yeah. like usually gives you perspective. It's like gets you out of your head. Like go 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 do something. Go like. Like if it's snowing outside and you're like, oh, it's snow. I'm going to have to walk in that. It's like, great. Go shovel the entire neighborhood. Like I'm sure there's like some old person who can't – like I was I was driving with um, uh, some of my friends and I, I, it was like during the fall and I saw a bunch of leaves on the ground, like a lot of them. And I, was th- I said, hey, we should go find some old people and rake their leaves. And they thought <laughs> they thought I was going to do something bad. They were like, okay, yeah, and? I was like, no, we rake their leaves. And, and they were like, oh, we thought we were going to do something better. Like, what, what have I ever like messed with old people? Like, what, what, do, you, what do you guys think of me? <laughs> but, but they all thought I was like, they didn't, under, they didn't understand. I just like, sometimes you just do something nice for someone. Like some, I don't know. I think it's like a nice community thing. So I, I hear what you're saying, especially yeah. if you can like make sure people aren't feeling alone. The, so the last question I have for you, though I have said last a few times, so I don't know how good I am on a narrator as a narrator, but the, where can people find more about what you're working on? Like what, what are, what are some good places good watering holes to learn to like drink at and learn more about what you're doing in space. Uh, and even like beyond that, like if there's any good spots, cause I know you mentioned a foreign magazine, so maybe people can read more about that. They like foreign magazines, but so where can people learn more about you, uh, what you're working on and, and maybe some other resource guides as well. Cause I, I read a lot and I like to learn. So, I mean, I know I'll, I'll check out anything you suggest. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Association of Spaceflight Professionals, the, a- the ASP website, www.spaceflightprofessionals.org is a good place to, to learn a little bit more about what we're doing. We do have um, some, uh, we do have Instagram and, and Twitter as well. Um, and, uh, and so, but I think if you really wanted to, to, to figure out a little more about what we're doing, um, you know, c- come join the organization. We, we invite we invite everyone to, to, to be involved in space. And we are working on something called the lower body negative pressure sleeping bag. There is a team out of the university of Toronto who's building another prototype of it. Um, there, a really, really brilliant guy named Aaron Prasad had made this, uh, this device called the microgravity test bed that tests experiments in, um, in, uh, weightlessness. And he's intending that for both flights on jet aircraft that, simulate weightlessness and then also for uh going into to space eventually and so you know help us out with some of those sorts of things get get, get involved we would we would love to um uh, not uh you know we, we, we uh, you know that that's certainly a way to figure out what um i'm doing but but certainly i think what what's more important and what's going to grow the industry is uh how you know what how can we help you do the amazing things that you can do and and bring your talents into the industry and and how do we use that to help grow the industry and and make a better world for everyone so um that that, that'd be my thought (laughs) that's a good place to leave it on so i'm gonna hit i'm gonna hit the record button and that was michael gallagher again with astronauts for hire a medical professional and a space space more than just a space enthusiast but a, a person who is driving a sector in space so if anyone wants to help him out or be involved in space-related matters or just wants to nerd out with the guy, I mean, he's extremely fascinating. Send him an email, send me an email, let me know. And, you know, we're all nerdy people here, so let's talk about nerdy things. Remember to check us out at the learnwithbold.com, the website, the Patreon page, and Twitter at Lowell was here. 
other than that, I hope you guys enjoyed this and let me know what type of content you want to be seeing. As of right now, 2019 has probably the most intense schedule of podcast, YouTube, and written material coming out. So I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Thank you.